0: been a special day brethren i'm sure you all feel that set apart by god for special use but beautiful weather i looked out this morning not a cloud in the sky cool and crisp and nice we had nice group for bible study where we talked about attributes of unleavened bread and then we had a hymn sing that was very very much fun and kind of got everybody in the mood and now to have a room full it it really makes it special uh, to be here in this lovely setting on a special day just enjoyed meeting some folks that I haven't met. I want to welcome, add my welcome to our visitors, any visitors that we may have. We're happy to have you with us. And I look around and see all the little children on the floor and know that the church is growing in lots of ways. That's good. We're happy about that, for sure. Brethren, have you noticed how forgetful we can be at any time of life, but especially as we grow older? Have you ever spent the morning looking for your glasses? To find out that they were on your head? Have, have some of you experienced that? Uh, have you, have you ever walked into a room to do something and then realize you haven't the foggiest idea about what? <laughs> you know, what happens to me and I think probably it happens to you. Do you make notes to help you remember and then forget your notes? <laughs> you know, this, this seems to be the way we are as human beings. Now this human trait is humorous and it can be really annoying particularly when important things are forgotten. And it's something that we all have to deal with. Now, when it comes to very important things, matters of life and death, spiritual things, eternal things, we can also be forgetful as human beings. In these cases, the results can be disastrous. Not just an annoyance, but certainly disastrous. Now, God, who made us, knew that this would be a problem. So, being a loving God, he provided for it and gives us ample reminders to follow his ways, his instructions, which lead to the reward that he wants us to have. Well, we all seek, brethren, eternal life in God's kingdom. Now, he's given us his word. I see you all have one of these, some well-worn. I was talking to a man earlier whose Bible is falling apart. That's a good thing. <laughs> it means he's worn it out. Uh, but we have God's word. We have uh, type and anti-type, we have the physical and spiritual principles, we have the Sabbath and we have the annual holy days during which we receive instruction and we rehearse and we go through the drill over and over. For some of you, you've been keeping this day for many days. I think this is my 42nd, first day of unleavened bread and for many of you it's been maybe fewer or, or even longer certainly. But we do these things and we go through the drill. Why do we do that, brethren? So that we don't forget. God has the plan and he does this so we won't forget. We have seen so vividly in recent years when people stop doing these things, they forget their purpose. They lose their way. And when they do that, it's tragic and it's unnecessary. Again, God provided the way. So today, brethren, on this first day of Unleavened Bread, let's look at some important things that the Bible says that we, as God's people, should remember. Now, as a people, as human beings, we love a battle cry. We love a slogan. People that run for political office will tell you that. To have a good slogan, you see, is very important. And certainly as a nation, we do that. You know, when Texas was becoming a state and fighting for their independence, it was, remember the Alamo! Right? My famous ancestor's uh, fam- uh, uh, notoriety was sealed at that time, obviously. But then, of course, in the uh, early part of uh, the 19th, 20th century, we had remember the main. And then certainly for the World War II generation, remember Pearl Harbor. Those images are, are still in the minds of many people. And certainly as that anniversary comes around, we see that. More recently in our history in this country, remember 9-11. Will you ever forget that? I remember exactly where I was and what was going on and what was said because it was such a horrendous thing. And we saw it unfolding. I realized that our country would never be the same. It was a turning point. We remember 9-11. For the British in World War II, remember Dunkirk when hundreds of thousands of soldiers were uh, and military people were rescued as they went across the Channel uh, which is normally very choppy. It's known as the day of quiet waters because they were able to get across the channel in every type of boat and conveyance. Obviously, God intervened. And they remember Dunkirk. If you talk to our brethren down under in Australia, they will say, remember Gallipoli in World War I when the Australians were wiped out and massacred by the Turks mercil- mercilessly. So these are turning points and times in history. And so we have those slogans. Turn back with me, if you will, to Exodus chapter 13. Exodus 13. We've been looking at these scriptures over and over and reviewing them before these days and during these days. But let's see what it says in Exodus 13, verse 3. Exodus 13, verse 3. And Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt. Out. Of the house of bondage. What did he say? Remember the exodus. And brethren we have. We heard again that beautiful operatory music entitled the exodus. We've we rehearsed the scriptures. And we've gone over these things. But here it is. An instruction for us. Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt. Out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. And here it is. No leavened bread shall be eaten. That was part of the remembrance. And so last night as we were having the Night We Be Much Observed, and wherever you were, we were here at this building, about 58 of us, I think. And as we talked around the table, we were remembering our exodus, how we came out of this world, how we came into God's church, what our experiences were. It's very inspiring to, to hear those things. And maybe be able to tell your example of what happened, because God worked with us in different ways at different times in our life and under different circumstances. But we all had... That personal Exodus. And so we have that looking back in history and now we have this. Turn over now with me to 1 Corinthians 11 and we'll see that this is not just an Old Testament admonition. This is not something that's just for the Old Testament. Let's see what it says in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 24. We've read these verses again in recent days. Let's look at them this afternoon. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 24. And when he, Jesus, had given thanks, he broke it, this, this bread you see at the Passover and said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Brethren, our savior, our savior said, don't forget. Don't forget. When you do this, when you go through this service, what are you doing? You're remembering, you see, Jesus Christ and his sacrifice and the importance that it makes for all of us. Now, brethren, as we think about these things and as we observe these days being unleavened, let's look at some things that we want to remember. First of all, brethren, let's remember our history. Let's remember our history. Some think history is boring or dull. I find it fascinating, and I know a number of you really enjoy history. Let's look at our history. Turn back to Psalm 143. We'll look at lots of scriptures today. I don't apologize for that. Just keep up with me. (laughs) I won't go real fast, hopefully not too fast. But the scriptures tell the story, and they put together the pieces Of a beautiful puzzle that I hope we can enjoy looking at together this afternoon. Psalm 143, verse 5. A psalm of David. I hope you'll read it all. But let's look at verse 5. David said, I remember the days of old. I meditate in all your works. I muse or ponder on the work of your hands. David, King David was a thinker. He was one who pondered. He thought deeply. He set us an example, brethren, and we are to meditate. It's one of the spiritual tools that we have. And what did he think about? He remembered the days of old. And as we have read the story about the Exodus, if we have read the story of the Israelites and the things that they did, we're doing what he was doing at that time. And it's good for us to do so. It, keep us, it keeps us focused. It keeps us on balance. It keeps us going in the direction of... That we should go. Turn over to Psalm 77. Back a few pages. Psalm 77. As we remember. Our history. Psalm 77. Verse 5. A Psalm of Asaph. Psalm 77. Verse 5. I have considered the days of old. The years of ancient times. And again, as we have reviewed these things during this holy day season, we have, we have done that. Drop down to verse 11, brethren. I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. We've talked about those plagues that he brought on Egypt. Incredible plagues that devastated the most powerful nation on earth. Parts of their infrastructure still stand. We can see what a great nation they were, physically speaking. And God crushed them. This was the works, the wonders of old. And we have that recorded for us. Drop down to verse 14. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob. And Joseph. Again, we read these stories, but are they real to you, brethren? These were real people in real circumstances and God delivered them. In our technological age, sometimes we overlook the fact that God does great wonders and we look forward to the time in our time when he will give us signs and wonders to complete the work that he's given us to do. But it's their force. We see what's happened in history and that's why we're looking at this today. Look at verse 19. Again, talking about the time that we remember today. Psalm 77, verse 19. Your way was in the sea, your path in the great waters, and your footsteps were not known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. And these aren't just nice stories. This is our history. God led those people. He has led his people down through time. And he will lead us. In ways that will be miraculous when it serves his purpose to do so. Turn over to Isaiah 46. Beautiful words in Isaiah. Isaiah 46. <clears throat> Isaiah 46. I mentioned to someone earlier that I was very dry. And he said, hey, that's what matzos does for you. So. <clears throat> it seems to be the case. Isaiah 46. Verse 9, Isaiah 46, verse 9. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. From ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand you know, brethren, the, the, the pundits and the people who like to make predictions, economic predictions, all sorts of things, they're very often wrong. What they think doesn't come true. And yet God says, my counsel shall stand. He says, and I will do all my pleasure. God will bring his will to pass. He will cause his, uh, his plan to unfold as he wants it to. And we certainly need to be aware of that. Brethren, these things were recorded so that we would have this instruction to remember our history, to remember the former things. Now let's turn back to Deuteronomy. Again, one of those ancient books where we have a restatement of the law and a rehearsal of what went on before. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 says every commandment which I command you today you must be careful to observe. Rather than serving God we can't be flippant. We can't be lackadaisical. We can't be ambivalent. He wants us to be careful. To be careful to observe that you may live long. Live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. Look at verse 2. Here's that expression, brethren, and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and to test you. It wasn't an aimless wandering. God had a purpose. And for 40 years, he worked out that purpose, humbling them and testing them to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So it's the instruction for them and for us, brethren, is to be careful, to remember Look at verse 3. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And, of course, we know that Jesus Christ quoted that in Matthew 4, 4, in dealing with Satan. Going on in verse 4, it says, your garments did not wear out on you, nor did your foot swell these 40 years, and I always think about those ladies in the desert. 40 years, same clothes. I'm sure that they had swap meets. <laughs> you know, and says, you know, I'm so tired of this. You know, and, and then it says here, you think about it. If you know women, you gotta know this is what happened. Usually, <laughs> it goes, and said, your foot did not swell. You know, if you could look in my wife's closet, you would not believe how many shoes were in there. You know, what would she do with 40 years in the same pair? So I'm sure again, swap meets were going on. It says, you should know in your heart that as a man chastens his son, so the Lord your God has chastened you. Therefore, you shall keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in his ways and to fear him. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land of brooks of water, of fountains and springs that flow out of valleys and hills. And certainly they had a physical promise. Brethren, we have the spiritual promises that are really described by these wonderful things. As we go on, look at verse 10. When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for good, for the good land which he has given you. So he says, I'm going to give you all these good things. And I'm sure they were ready for that after their sojourn. But then look at verse 11. He gives a warning. Verse 11 says, beware... That you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. He said, don't forget. They needed to be reminded. Brethren, we come here today to be reminded. Look at verse 12. Lest when you have eaten and are full, and you have all eaten and you're full. (laughs) You know, really describing a time when your needs are met. And have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, when people have increased and prospered as we have in this nation and in much of the modern world, developed world, he says, when your heart is lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. That is the human tendency. That is the human proclivity is to forget the adversity, to forget the source of the blessings. And brethren, we never ever want that to happen. Let's go right on in context into Deuteronomy 9. Deuteronomy 9, verse 6. I hope you'll read all of these verses in your own private study, but we'll just hit the high spots today, the highlights to put together the picture that I want you to see. Deuteronomy 9, verse 6. He says, Therefore understand that the Lord your God is not giving you this good land to possess because of your righteousness, for you are a stiff-necked people. What is he saying? He said, don't get cocky. Don't get puffed up. This is not because you're great or good. You're a stiff-necked people. That's not a compliment, by the way. <laughs> Some of us with an Irish heritage might think so. <laughs> it's not a compliment to be stiff-necked. We're to be yielded, you see. So as we read, look at verse 7. He said, here it is again, brethren. Remember, do not forget how You provoked the Lord your God to wrath in the wilderness from the day you departed from the land of Egypt until you came to this place. You have been rebellious against the Lord. So he's saying, don't forget. And he said that here that you have provoked the Lord. If you look that up, it means it means to push, (laughs) to compel. And obviously, if you get into a push fight with God, he's going to win. (laughs) But they provoked God and he dealt with them. And we see, going right on in context, brethren, let's look at chapter 10 of Deuteronomy. Chapter 10 of Deuteronomy. Let's look at verse 12. And now, Israel, what does your Lord, the Lord your God, require of you but to fear the eternal your God, to walk in all his ways and to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you today for your good? Sometimes we as human beings can't see it, but God realized that what he gave us, his way of life, his instruction, these details, some of which may seem picky to us as human beings, were for our good. That's why he gave them to us. Going on, look at verse 15. The Lord delighted only in your fathers to love them. He chose their descendants after them and you above all peoples as it is this day. What a great blessing. It is, brethren, to be called by God. They were called as a physical nation. We are called as spiritual Israel. Is it not a great calling? How rare is it that so few people on the face of the earth understand these things? You know, if something is rare, it's valuable. Brethren, we are sprinkled like salt. We are just a few, and God sees us as something very precious to him. And I hope that our calling is precious to us. It certainly should be. It goes on and talks about uh, the various things he's doing. Uh, He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow. Going in verse 19, love the stranger for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. Just hitting the high spots going on. But then look at verse 22. Your fathers went down to Egypt with 70 persons. And now the Lord your God has made you as the stars of heaven in multitude. What is he saying? He's saying here, remember your humble Beginnings. You didn't start out great. You started out as a handful. And God worked with them and certainly brought them out and made them uh, a great nation. So he said, remember your humble beginnings. All of us, brethren, should remember our humble beginnings as God called us out of this world, placed us in his church, and, and keep that in mind as we live our Christian lives. Let's look at chapter 11 of Deuteronomy, going right on. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 Deuteronomy 11, verse 18. Therefore you shall lay up these words of mine in your heart and in your soul and bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You know, some of the very uh, strict Jews will actually uh, write the law and, and bind it around their arm and put the phylacteries on their forehead. You know, not realizing this is talking about actions, but they'll actually do that thinking that they're fulfilling the scripture. It's really talking about what we think and what we do, and how we live our lives. We are to lay up our uh, these words to think about them and, and put them into practice. Going on down, I hope you read all the verses, brethren, but drop down to verse 26. God said to them, verse 26 of Deuteronomy 11, Behold, I set before you today blessing and a curse. You see, it's it's... Mr. Armstrong described it as the way of give or the way of get. There's only two ways to go. He said a blessing and a curse. The blessing, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today. And the curse, and you don't want the curse, brethren. And the curse, if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside from the way which I command you today to go after other gods, which you have not known. So clearly he was saying that there was blessing and cursing. We've all experienced that, brethren, I'm sure in your life. When you've obeyed God consistently, it brings the blessings. It brings the things you want. And if we stray, (laughs) then the curses come and the problems come. And we have to repent and change from that and, and still deal with those problems very often. Going right on in context here, Deuteronomy 12, verse 8. Just following this thread. Deuteronomy 12. Verse 8, it says, you shall not at all do as we are doing here today, every man doing whatever is right in his own eyes. It says, not at all to do this. Brethren, look around the church of God today. Isn't it sad that we have little groups here, there, and yonder? Some doing things this way and some doing things that way. Some keeping pastoral in this day. Some having a Seder. Some not. Some think there is no such a thing as the night to be much observed. All these different things, doing things that were right in their own eyes. And it leads to confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. So clearly, we want to do as we are led and do as we are taught and be careful to do the words that we read in this book. Now let's go on to Deuteronomy 16. Deuteronomy 16. Deuteronomy 16, verse 1. Here we are, just quickly looking at this. We've reviewed it so much here in these recent days. Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. You did that then on Sunday evening, you see. Verse 2. You shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God for the flock of the herd and the place where the Lord chooses to put His name. goes on in verse 3. It talks about not eating unleavened bread. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction. We talked about that this morning, about the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste. They had a sense of urgency, brethren. They weren't complacent. This wasn't a normal meal when they had it. They had their, their robe on, their, their, their belt on, the staff in their hand. They were ready to go. And certainly we should have a sense of urgency in our lives today there are things that we need to do in our personal lives and serving in the church and other things and we have to do so with a sense of urgency. You know, haste makes waste, the old Satan goes. So we're not talking about rushing around in a a helter-skelter way. But to have a sense of urgency is certainly something that we should do. And it goes on and it says, look here in the last part of the verse, that you may remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt. All the days of your life. And again, I'm sure many of you have done that as we have started keeping this Passover and these days of unleavened bread. Now, let's go over to, to Deuteronomy 32. Here we have a song of Moses. Moses was not only a great leader. He also wrote songs. <laughs> and here we have one. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we knew the music? Psalm, I'm sorry, uh, Deuteronomy 32, we have the psalm of Moses. Let's look at verse 7. I hope you read all of it. It's a beautiful psalm, but Deuteronomy 32, verse 7, Moses said, Remember the days of old. Consider the years of many generations. Ask your father, and he will show you. And parents, when your children and your grandchildren ask you, Why do we do these things? It's kind of strange, Dad. (laughs) Why do we do this? then certainly we should have that answer. He said, Ask your father, and he will show you. Your elders and they will tell you. Here it is again, brethren, remember. Notice he says, Remember and consider. Again, to think deeply, not to take it in a shallow way, but to consider the years of many generations. Now let's fast forward a bit. Let's look over in Malachi, last book in the Old Testament. And let's see the instruction that we find there. As we remember our history on this first day of unleavened bread. Malachi chapter 4 and verse 4. Malachi 4 verse 4. Here the prophet wrote, Remember, here it is again brethren, Remember the law of Moses, my servant which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Now, this is in a prophecy about the end time. And yet what we are admonished, what is the instruction? What's important? God's law that he gave to Moses centuries before. And here again, in this prophecy, we're admonished to remember the the commandments with The statutes and the judgments. How will the millennium be ruled? Using these very laws and these statutes and the judgments. So we need to be conversant with them. We need to be putting them into practice. Now, brethren, let's look at some other admonishments uh, to listen. Turn back to Luke. Let's look at the New Testament. Luke chapter 17. Luke 17. And verse 32. Jesus Christ was teaching them at that time. Dealing with the Pharisees. Uh, telling them what to expect when he returned. And in Luke 17, verse 32, uh, again in the context, he's saying that that um, um, the, the, in that day he is on the housetop and has goods are in the house. Let him not come down, you know, the, the sense of urgency again. In verse 32, well, he says something, he says, remember... Lot's wife. Now, brethren, how long has it been since you reviewed that story? There's a lot there if you think about it. Why did this lady who had specific instruction look back, cost her her life? Cost her her life. You know, maybe she just remodeled the kitchen. I don't know. Maybe she just didn't want to leave. <laughs> she got it just the way she wanted it. And now we have to leave. But whatever it was, she didn't remember. And it cost her her life. She didn't follow instructions. So here is Jesus, and it's there for us, so it must be important to remember Lot's wife. It's something that we should consider and realize that God's instruction, even though it may seem simple, is something that we have to do. Uh, Lot's wife didn't, and it cost her her life. Turn over a few pages to John 16. John 16, as we remember our history, as we see what the Bible says, Is important enough for us to remember. John 16 verse 4. John 16 verse 4. He's giving them instruction here. We read part of this obviously during the Passover. He says in verse 4. But these things I have told you. That when the time comes you may remember. That I told you of them. And these things I did not say to you at the beginning because I was with you. So Jesus Christ now was going over these things. Why? So they would remember. And you know, for a while they forgot. They were scattered. They didn't understand. And later, of course, these things came back to them. So sometimes as you come to services and we open our Bibles and we start, and we say, we're going to cover that again. (laughs) It's so that we will remember. Because when the going gets tough, When there is an urgent or emergency situation, when things are in crisis, you will revert to your training. Anyone who's involved in first responders, in the military, other situations, that's why we drill. That's why you go through things. Because when the time comes, you will revert to your training. So we go over these things. And just as Jesus Christ said, he told them this so that they would remember. And so, brethren, we certainly need to remember The words of Jesus Christ. Let's look at something else. That we should remember. Especially during these days brethren. Remember. Repentance. Now certainly we should do this all through the year. Every day. As Christians. But especially during these days. We should remember repentance. Turn over to 2 Peter. Turn over to 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Actually, let's start in verse 2 to complete the sentence here. 2 Peter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given has been given to us exceedingly in great precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Brethren, we have made our exodus. You have escaped, just as those Israelites did long ago. They did physically, and yet we have escaped the corruption of the world. How? Through repentance, through accepting uh, Jesus Christ is our Savior, and so on. We, we have that. Now, as you're going on down, Peter says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add your faith virtue to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance. Each one of these, brethren, is worthy of a sermon. You know, there was a book written about 30 or 40 years ago called The Peter Principle, and it was talking about humorous things that happen in business. Well, this is a better Peter Principle right here. The principles of Peter are to do these things based on his being inspired by God. It goes on and says to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance or patience, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness. We heard about that in the Passover services. Dr. Winnell went over that with us, really explaining how we had to have love one for another, having kindness for our brothers and sisters, and to brotherly kindness, love. Important that especially we as God's people... Uh, recognize this verse 8 for if these things are yours and abound you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our lord jesus christ so brethren we certainly are to have those things but look at verse 9 for he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed i think the new king james of the old king james says, purged he was purged from his sins Rather than remember repentance and certainly if you're purged you've made been made spiritually clean you've been purified those old sins have been forgiven and we all as human beings need that forgiveness so clearly let's follow the admonition of Peter and remember that we have been cleansed we have repented and that's very very important now the person who announced Christ's uh, coming and so on was John. The baptizer, I always like to point out he was not a Baptist. But turn back to Matthew chapter 3. <laughs> he was not, a, that I'm sure. But uh, Matthew chapter 3, John the baptizer. What was his message to the people back then? And by the way, this wasn't just an isolated thing. They came in droves. The whole area came out to hear John. Some of it, I'm sure, was just to see the spectacle. He didn't, you know, he had this funny diet and, and he wore... Camel's hair. and I mean, it was different. So you've got to hear this guy. So they went out to see John. What did they hear when they went to see him? Matthew chapter 3, verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, Brood of vipers? Doesn't sound like he was trying to get a following, does it? <laughs> you know, you snakes? Who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruits worthy. Of repentance. John the baptizer sternly corrected the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were the leaders. They were the movers and shakers. They made the rules. And they were rotten to the core. And he had the courage and was inspired to to say that to them. That they were brood of vipers. And that he said bear fruits worthy of repentance. Why did they hate John? Why did they hate Jesus Christ? Because they preached Repentance. And they didn't want to change. They were happy with the way things were. They were in charge. And so clearly, it was an important thing, uh, preaching repentance. Now, brethren, as we talk about repentance and change, where does it come from? Is this something you can work on? Where does it come from? Turn back to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, verse 30. Luke 5, verse 30. And the scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples. It's always interesting to me that they didn't come directly to Jesus very often. They complained to his disciples. Saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And I'm sure they just spit the words out. They couldn't believe that because they disdained these people. Jesus answered and said to them those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick Jesus Christ said in verse 32 I have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance brethren the question is asked you know is where does it come from it comes from Jesus Christ you are called to repentance your mind is open to the fact that you need to repent and then you learn what to repent of now What does that involve when you're called to that? Paul wrote about it. Turn over to 1 Corinthians. I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians, as we put together the pieces of the puzzle. 2 Corinthians chapter 7. What does it involve, this repentance that we are reading about and that's so necessary, that John the baptizer talked about, that Jesus Christ talked about? 2 Corinthians 7 verse 10. He says, for godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. You know, sometimes people in the world are sorry when they get caught. <laughs> We've seen a lot of that in recent times with our politicians. You know, it's, it's amazing what happens when people are elected to high office, or so it seems. Because so many of them get involved in illegal activities and things that are an embarrassment to them, things that destroy their families and so on, and they their sorrow if they they sorrow if they get caught. But that's not what Paul is talking about. He says godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, and it's not to be regretted. So godly sorrow certainly uh, is what is involved in actually coming to repentance, to see yourself as God sees you. To see, you know, all of us do that in coming to a place where we ask God to forgive us of our sins as we accept His sacrifice. So brethren, as we think about these things on this first day of unleavened bread, ask God to grant you a repentant attitude daily. As you study your word, as you live your life, you'll find plenty of which to repent. But ask Him to give you an attitude of repentance. Let's look at another item, brethren, as we go along. Remember, Your brother. Remember your brother. Turn back to Matthew chapter five. You know, we live in this world connected to people and our relationships and our family and the people we work with and play with and serve with, this sort of thing. Matthew chapter five. Matthew chapter five verse twenty two. Let's start in verse 21. He says, you have heard it said, though no, to those of old, you shall not murder. And whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. And you're saying, yeah, give it to those murderers.' You know, yeah. But going on, he says, but I say to you, whoever is angry with his brother without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Racha, shall be in danger of the council. In other words, you could be brought up on charges or maybe for slander or libel or for damages. But whoever says, you fool, a real condemnation, you see, shall be in danger of hell fire. So clearly, Jesus Christ is saying that that this is not something that his people should be involved in. Look at verse 23. Therefore, if that's the case, you see, if that happens in your life, if you bring your gift to the altar and and there remember that your brother has something against you, Leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Be reconciled. Now reconciliation can be difficult. It may mean you have to swallow some pride. You may have to utter those difficult words. I was wrong. (laughs) I'm sorry. Very difficult for human beings to do that. And yet Jesus Christ said, be reconciled. He said, don't carry a grudge. Jesus Christ said, don't harbor anger. I mean, this is commonly done in the world. Look at what happens. Uh, every night, every weekend, we hear about shootings and cuttings and scrapings and who knows, you know, knock down drag Why? Well, there's anger. People get in situations. And yet as God's people, we're to be different. Now, you say, you know, that is a great New Testament thing. I'm really glad you brought that out. Let's look at what it says in the Old Testament. Look at Leviticus 19. Leviticus 19. And we'll find that this has been the plan from the beginning. Leviticus 19. Back in the statutes and the judgments. Wonderful principles for living. Leviticus 19, verse 17. It was written long ago, anciently, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. You shall surely rebuke your neighbor and not bear sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance. Look at this, brethren. Nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. But you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. I am the Eternal. So clearly, brethren, this is something that that even in God's church it happens where ill feelings develop and they just simmer and they go on. And it's not a godly thing. And Jesus Christ said, be reconciled. And certainly we should consider that. Turn over to Matthew 18. Here's a familiar scripture, but probably one of the most difficult scriptures in the all of the Bible to put into practice. Now I say that because of how seldom it's put into practice. I mean, it's here all along, but it's very seldom ever put into practice. So it must be difficult, and I'm sure that it is. Matthew 18, verse 15. You know, the, the, it talks about, uh, in Matthew 18, verse 15, it says, moreover, if your brother sins against you and go and tell him his fault between you and him alone, if he hears you, you have gained Your brother. You've not lost a friend. You've not lost a brother. You have gained your brother. We need all the brothers and sisters we can get, brother. We need all of us together as we strive to obey God and make it into his kingdom. Now, I won't read the rest of this, but I hope that you will, where it talks about what to do if he doesn't listen to you. You know, you take someone with you. And again, try to gain your brother. And if that doesn't work, then you take it to the church. And that doesn't mean to the church congregation, but to the leaders of the church. To mediate and to try to work it out. Because it's very important that we try to gain our brother. Not exterminate him. (laughs) Not get rid of him. Not forget him or neglect him. But to gain our brother. I think it's important, brethren, as we keep these days of unleavened bread, that we remember our brother. Let's look at other ways to... Keep our brother in mind. Turn over to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 35. <clears throat> Let's look at verse 34 to get the context. Acts 20, verse 34. Yes. You yourselves know that these hands have provided for my necessities. Paul was supporting himself. And for those who are with me, verse 35, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this that you must support the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Brethren, it's more blessed spiritually and physically. There's always the two sides to To give. Uh, More blessed to give than to receive. And it says to support the weak. Doesn't mean do it for them. But to help them. Encourage them. Help them with what they need. Give them the seed to sow the crop as it were. Don't sow the crop and harvest it for them. But do what you can to support them in their time of need. And I know that, that you do that. It's the policy of the church. We do this in every way that we can. But it helps to be reminded that in little ways in your life and in your circle of friends and in your influence. That we can do that and give where possible. Turn over to James. Here's the Lord's brother. I always like to comment of how it must have been difficult growing up as the Lord's brother. Having a perfect brother would be tough. <laughs> it would be hard. I can see the seeds of conflict. Let's look at James chapter 1. Verse 27, here's a scripture that I'm sure you know by heart. It's very important, I think. And this time, when we have all sorts of welfare programs and those sorts of things, we might think, well, if somebody else is taking care of that. But certainly in the church, this is something that we should pay very careful attention to. James 1, verse 27, pure and undefiled religion. And I hope that all of us can, someone would be evaluating us, would say his religion or her religion is pure and undefiled pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world you know it doesn't talk about doing huge deeds here or being seen by a lot of people or doing some you know important thing in the work as it were i mean that's all wonderful and it's needed but here it talks about serving and be aware being aware of the needs of orphans and widows and helping and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. You know, as we walk through this world, the evil just kind of splashes on you. <laughs> so we want to avoid that where possible and stay unspotted from the world. So it's not for show. It's not for recognition. It's for service that, that God uh, looks for in what is pure and undefiled. Now let's go right on in James chapter two. Coming down a little further, James chapter 2 verse 15, it says, verse 14, what does it profit my brethren if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? Verse 15, if a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food and one of you says to him, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body. What does it profit? What he's saying here is that talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And sometimes we might want to talk a good game, but then don't actually put actions with it, you see. And we want to do what we can. And it's a matter of our local congregation. We have a food pantry and we have ready-to-wear clothing, this sort of thing, if someone needs help. And then sometimes there are other, other help that they need that we need to be aware of. Not that we meddle in people's business, but be aware of needs. And if you know of a need and you're unable to take care of it yourself, or if you need advice, take it to one of the deacons or one of the elders. And hopefully we can meet the needs of our brothers and sisters, particularly in this time when there are so many out of work, when the economy is in shambles, when it will probably get worse before it gets better. We have to be aware and help in ways that we can. And certainly we've tried to do things down in Haiti. We have tried to help the general populace. And, uh, you know, Dr. Pierre is down there now uh, with a relief effort and serving the brethren down there. And we'll have more situations like that, I'm sure. So basically, the idea is to take action to help and to serve. And to do that, we often have to get out of our comfort zone. And we we get in our comfort zone, you know. Um, You know, uh, a rut is just a grave with both ends kicked out. You know that. (laughs) So we don't want to be in a rut. We want we want to do things. Now certainly um I won't turn there, but there's a proverb. Proverb twenty five, fourteen says, One who falsely boasts of giving is like clouds without rain. You know, when you think in a dry season there's a dark cloud and you're going to get a nice refreshing shower and it doesn't happen. Well that's like someone who says, Oh, I'll take care of that and then doesn't. So we want to be sure to fulfill the promises that we make. Turn back to first John. First John three First John 3. First John 3 verse 17. John wrote, first John 3 verse 17. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him and does not, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Brethren, true concern expresses itself in action. Our actions almost always speak louder than our words. The most powerful sermons are not given from the lecture. The most powerful sermon are the Christian life in action. People going about their daily chores, serving others, and being a good example. Those are powerful sermons. So as we go through these days of unleavened bread, brethren, let's remember our brother. Let's also remember those that have taught us. That's something we should remember. Sometimes we can forget who has given us this precious knowledge. Turn over to Matthew 23. Matthew 23. Matthew chapter 23. Verse 34. Here's a wonderful passage. The Bible is full of so many of them, but um, <clears throat> going on. Jesus here was, was had, had been talking to the scribes and Pharisees, calling them hypocrites. I mean, really being blunt with them. Uh, and pick up the story. I hope you read the verses that go before. But in verse 34, he said, therefore, indeed, I send you prophets, wise men and scribes. Some of them you will kill and crucify. Some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute them from city to city. Jesus said back then that he would send prophets and wise men and scribes. And he has. He has. That's why we have the Bible. That's why down through the Middle Ages, after the church was scattered, the church never died out. There were that handful. That that clung to the truth. Preserve the Bible. And certainly in modern times. When God opened Mr. Armstrong's mind. And he began to teach. And to preach. And to raise up the church. And then he trained others. And today we have this body of work. The booklets that we have. The Bible study course. All of these things. God said that he would do that. And he has done that. He said that he would send these prophets. And wise men and scribes. And because of that brethren. We have the truth. And we can be here. Today. Turn over to John chapter 20. We should remember these men who have gone before. Some have died. Some are still here, of course, and pray for them, the ones that are here, and and be thankful that God has preserved His truth and revealed it to us. John chapter 20, verse 19. Here we have the setting. It's, it's after the resurrection. Uh, verse 19 John 20 verse 19 then the same day at evening between the first day of the week when the doors were shut for the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews Jesus came and stood in the midst saying to them peace be with you brethren do you have this mental image uh, here the disciples were huddled in fear I mean they'd been with Jesus Christ for three and a half years they'd heard the instruction they should have had the picture and yet Now this has happened. And here they were, huddled in fear. Jesus came in. What did he say to them? Peace be with you. Look at verse 21. So Jesus said to them again, peace be to you. Brethren, as we faced troubled times, in your own job, your own budget, your own neighborhood, wherever it might be, certainly in our beloved country and other countries of Israel around the world, as difficulties come, Jesus Christ said, peace to you. And, you know, he said, See that you be not troubled in other places. You know, that's put to the test. (laughs) It's hard not to be troubled when you see our beloved country in the shape that it's in. But Jesus said to them at that time, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So, brethren, we know that he has sent people out through time and we know that the truth has been preserved for us down through the centuries. Now, going on turn over to matthew 28 here's a memory scripture for all of you we read these scriptures and this is something that we certainly cling to matthew 28 verse 19 actually we'll start in verse 18 it certainly shows how jesus christ could give this commission this great commission as we call it matthew 28 verse 18 right before jesus christ is resurrected to be with the father Matthew twenty eight eighteen. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Who's in charge? Jesus Christ has all authority. Verse 19, here's his instruction. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. You know, as small as we are, we're trying desperately to do that, brethren. I think uh I know our Bible study course online now goes to 127 countries. Maybe one or two more by now. Um, that's not quite all the countries, but we're certainly striving. Uh, we are, have an opportunity, if God opens the door and provides the funding, to go into China, other parts of the world that, that need to be reached. All nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. These holy days are godly traditions. You know, one of our godly traditions that I love is the blessing of little children. The night to be much observed is a godly tradition. And so we teach all these things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, uh, even to the end of the age. So since the end of the age has not come, I think it's clear that the work is not done. And so many groups say that it is. And yet... The end hasn't come, so we know that the work will be done even at that time. These men were given a mission. A mission. And brethren, we carry that mission on today. We don't do it to the extent that we would like because of limits and resources. But God gives us what he wants us to have. And we ask to be good stewards and to use those resources in a godly way. Turn over to Hebrews. Our point here is to remember those who have taught us. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. As the book begins, in Hebrews chapter 1, Paul wrote, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has appointed heir of all things through whom he also made the worlds. The son sent prophets and wise men and scribes as we've seen. We've not been left without a witness down through the centuries. Let's drop down to chapter 2. Chapter 2 and verse 1. Therefore... Paul wrote, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. You know, brethren, human nature has not changed in these many hundreds and hundreds of years. Paul was concerned that they would drift away. And he said, you know, pay earnest heed. We cannot be ambivalent about God's Word. We we can't be lackadaisical, as I said earlier. We have to pay earnest heed, lest we drift Away, look at verse two, for if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape? If we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him. Brethren, he said here, pay careful attention. Don't neglect the things that you've been taught. Don't neglect this word. I know you are all students of the Bible and you spend time doing it. And that's certainly the way we should be doing it to pay earnest heed. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 11. Don't want to wear you out looking at scriptures, but I'll take the chance. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 2. Let's start in verse 1. 1, Corinthians 11, verse 1. Paul said, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. Paul was not afraid to hold himself up as an example with the caveat that as I imitate Christ. Verse 2, now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the traditions just as I delivered them to you the traditions you know we have an order of services uh when we we conduct services in the church of god wherever you go on the face of the earth it will be done that way that is a godly tradition because we found out what works many things were tried i recently had the opportunity to visit another church of god and they've changed the order of services it was chaotic they had the prayer in the wrong place and people were speaking out in the audience and it was just a re- and i thought you know they've lost their way At one time they knew it, but they didn't keep the traditions that God had inspired. So we have a purpose for the things that we do in keeping these godly traditions. And so what he's saying here, to put this in the vernacular, which I always like to do, Paul's saying, stick with it. And I'm happy to see that all of you have. Stuck with it. Turn over to Jude. Short little book. Jude. Great book, theme of which is contend. For the faith once delivered. Jude 17. Let's see what Jude had to say. In Jude 17. You can read this book in one sitting. It's only 25 verses. But in verse 17. Let's see what Jude said. He said. But you beloved. He's talking to the church here. You beloved. Remember. The words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. How they told you that there would be mockers in the last time who would walk according to their own ungodly lust. What did Jude say? Don't forget. Don't forget. And so this afternoon, brothers, we come here. I said to you, don't forget the things that you find in the word. Don't forget because so many, many have. And then Hebrews 13, as we think about remembering those who teach us and have taught us. Hebrews 13. Here's a principle that some groups have forgotten. And it's sad because when that happens, things break down. Things don't work as well as they should. Hebrews 13. Hebrews 13, verse 7. A very important admonition for all of us here, brethren. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember those who rule over you. Now the word rule here equals means to lead that have responsibility. Remember those who have the responsibility over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. So we're to remember those who have led us and who are leading us. It's important that we do that. In every situation, there must be leaders, and they have a greater responsibility. You know what did Paul say to Timothy? Let not many of you become teachers. Why? Because there's a greater responsibility. That goes with that. Look at verse 17. Paul wrote, obey those who rule over you. We could say, obey those who lead you. Who have the responsibility for you. And be submissive. Boy, that's not popular in today's society. (laughs) i got my rights. You know, be submissive. Whoever thought of that? Well, the scripture thought of that. And so brethren, as we, as we have order in the church, we say be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. So brethren, as we live our daily lives and as we function in the church, remember those who have taught you. And now brethren, let's look at one more. My final point. Some of you thought I would never get here. <laughs> I usually have seven points, but I was talking to Mr. Parting one day. He said, Davey, seven points is too many. Do five. So I'm going to have five points today. (laughs) And this is my fifth one. And that is, brethren, on this last uh, first day of unleavened bread, let's remember God's plan. Remember, brethren, we are on his timetable, not ours. We tend to become impatient and sometimes we become discouraged when things don't work out like we think they should you know in my years in the church I've had at least 25 or 30 scenarios I just knew this is the way it was going to work out it never did <laughs> you know it had all these things it was just a, a really pat scenario this is the way it's going to be it didn't work out that way so I'm sure that many of you have experienced that so we should not be discouraged look at Second Peter chapter 3 again Peter gives us wonderful advice instruction 2 Peter 3. I was attending a funeral some time ago for one of our brothers in another fellowship and I was there and I was talking to his widow and, and I mentioned something about we're in the end times and she said, oh, I've been hearing that for 50 years. You know, she said it's, she just didn't believe it anymore about being in the end time. Brethren, let's see what Peter has to say about this. 2 Peter 3, verse 8. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Now that will strain your brain. That That is difficult for us to grasp, because you see, everything for us has a beginning and an end. A child is born, he's used, middle age, gets old, you know, this sort of thing. We see that, and yet with God, it's different. A different timetable. A, a, a thousand years, this as a day, and so on. Verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Brethren, God is not slow, or dull, or tardy. Things are right on His schedule. Now, we may become impatient, but... We read in the first scriptures that he he will bring this to pass according to his will. He sees the end from the beginning. So, brethren, we remember God's plan. Turn over to Psalm 90. Here's a prayer of Moses. Psalm 90. Psalm 90. It's particularly appropriate, I think, during the days of Unleavened Bread that we look at this. Psalm 90, verse 2. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. That certainly, brethren, requires some deep thinking to think about it. That there is a being who could do those things. Before God was before the physical creation is the point that he is making. Look at verse 3. You turn man to destruction and say, return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it's past. And like a watch in the night, you carry them away like a flood. They are like a sleep. In the morning, they are like grass which grows up. In the morning it flourishes and grows up. In the evening it is cut down and withers. Brethren, life, physically speaking, is brief. You can talk to someone who's in their nineties, someone who's lived to be a great age, and they will tell you that life is short. Life is brief. And Moses understood that as he wrote about this. Look at verse, uh, verse 10. The days of our lives are 70 years, and if my reason of strength, they are 80 years. Yet their boast is only labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off, and we fly away. It's soon cut off. Our time as human beings is relatively short, certainly in God's plan. Look at verse 12. This is admonition to all of us, brethren. It says, so teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And I think if you look at that, to number our days would be to pay attention to your days, to properly weigh out your days. If you're a child in school, you cannot shut court the, cut short the preparation phase in your life. You should, If you want to do great things, prepare to do great things. If you're in your middle years, there are things you can do. When you get older, in the autumn of your life, there are things to do. Number your days. Pay attention to where you are. That's what he is saying. Uh, To properly weigh out your days. We only have a certain period of time. Brethren Solomon understood this and gave very sage advice. Turn over to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 12. You know this as the chapter on aging. Ecclesiastes 12. It's here somewhere. There we go. Ecclesiastes 12. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes 12 verse 1 says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. It means uh, to recognize, to to mention, to pay attention, you see, when you are young. Going on in the days of your youth before the difficult days come. And the years draw when you say, I have no pleasure in them. And sometime the infirmities of age take away the pleasure in life. You don't. You know, you can't taste, you can't see, you can't hear. Although it's difficult. And yet God designed us and these things happen. Solomon wrote about it here. Look at verse 6. Remember your creator before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the well wheel broken at the well. When you're old, you see, when things don't work well anymore, when, when the things that used to do good, do well, don't do anymore. When you're old and before you die, that's it says remember. Now, brethren, as we think about all these scriptures we've looked at today, how do we do that? And as we look at these scriptures about growing old and, and about life and numbering our days, how do we do that? Whether you're young or you're old. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter five, and we'll see that it has to do with what we're doing here today. Ephesians chapter five, Ephesians five, verse fifteen. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. Ephesians five, verse fifteen. See that when you walk, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools. But as wise, brethren, you look around and you'll see a lot of foolish conduct that should not be us. Not as fools, but wise. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Redeem, redeeming the time. It means to rescue the time, to ransom it or to purchase it. Brethren, as you come here today on this annual holy day, as you Keep these days of unleavened bread. You are redeeming the time. You could be out doing any number of things today. Gardening, fishing, the crop you're biting somewhere. You know, that could be out there. And yet you're here doing what God instructed you to do. Redeeming the time. Now it's very often, it's very important that we follow God's oft repeated instruction and remember. Remember our history as a people and our personal exodus. Remember repentance and be repentant. Remember your brethren. Love them and serve them. Remember our teachers. Follow them as they follow Christ. Remember God's plan. And young or old, stick with it to the end. Brethren, if we remember these things and do these things, God will never forget us.